Warning, the Bear Takedown is a filthy podcast about homosexual bears and chasers. All are welcome, except for coworkers and family members of the hosts. If I was you, I wouldn't listen, just saying. It is definitely not safe to listen to at work or while driving with your windows down. However, pants down listening is encouraged. Hello, everybody. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good evening. Good middle of the night. Whatever you're listening to the Bear Takedown. Good day. I don't know. <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> hey, my name is Nick. And I am Sugar. And uh, we have a, a little episode for you that we're excited about. And we'll get to the, some of those details here in just a second. But before we kind of kick into the, today's topic or today's podcast, we just want to run down a few things um, and let you know that we got it out there. We're trying to connect with you people, you folks. On um, uh, We have our website. It's thebeartakedown.com. Pretty simple. You can go there. You can pay your whore tax, which is a way to um, donate to the show. Um, we're, we'll talk. We have one uh, later on at the very end of the episode. We'll we'll share with you. And um, you can also connect with us. Probably the best way is either Facebook or Insta at the bear takedown. But we also have Twitter if you want to follow and um, you can do that, too. Yeah, we do. Um, thank you for all the messages we've been getting. It's been great, the support, the people who have reached out and you know say they're enjoying things. So we do appreciate that. We don't check the account every single day, so if we are slow to respond, we're sorry about that, but we will get back to you and let you know. Um, but we do appreciate everybody reaching out and telling us you know the things that they enjoy about it. So Oh, yeah, and then we, have, we do have the messengers and everything, but <laughs> maybe if you say a little more than, hey... <laughs> Because yeah. <laughs> we don't check it all. We can't just have yeah. a conversation back and forth. But if you want to ask us a question or say something or whatever, then we'll be we'll we'll, we'll do our best to get back to you. We're fine we with flirty. We like We're flirty. Fine with flirty. Yeah. Send us a little uh, picture. You know. <laughs> <laughs> we can always do that. Um, hey, uh, also, if you um, if you're listening to this on Apple Music or iTunes or any anywhere where you Spotify, anywhere where you can leave a rating, if you leave us a, uh, five stars. Of course, that would be That's great. The goal. If you want to leave us one star, then just maybe just skip it. <laughs> the goal is five. <laughs> the goal is five. And uh, so that th- thank you very much. And we also have a phone number. It's all in the description below, but it's 503-714-1188. And you can leave us a voicemail, give us uh, feedback, say hi, tell us about something. I don't know, whatever you want to do. And uh, we did get one. Yes, I remember this now. I can't wait for us to share it. We with did get one. So uh, we're going to play a, a piece of it uh, for you. Hey, boys. Um, just uh, came across your podcast today. Really enjoyed it, man. Um, a, lot of, a lot of good stuff on there, dude. Oh, thank that you. Sounds sexy as fuck. Oh. Yeah, check out your Instagram and stuff. Um, fuck, you guys are cute as hell, man. Oh, thank you. I'm uh, on the DL and uh, just kind of messing around on the fly these days mm. kind of where i'm at in my life right now and uh, really enjoying what you got on that podcast love to hear some more dirty little dirty stories from you guys mm. really gets me uh turned on i was listening today at work my door shut got a heart on under my desk oh oh Fuck. Really, i feel dirty uh, be careful really liking it, man. love to see you guys naked you oh. you, uh, <laughs> only fans put out uh, some pics I'd love to see you guys together. Oh, uh, I don't well, think so. That's not, <laughs> not bear for bear. Keep it up. 
Oh, thank you for the call. We uh, obviously <laughs> just <laughs> changed the voice a little bit uh, to protect identity, but you can leave us a similar voicemail if you want. Uh, but just know we're not we're not hooking up together. <laughs> we're not bear for bear. Sorry, we'll, we'll take a picture <laughs> with our shirts off. <laughs> it is funny, you know. You know, listening to the voicemail that you know was out, and it reminded me so much. And I don't know if you'll be able to relate to it or not, but like that was. Ha- I remember being at that point in my life where I was so scared to have anything come out or anybody find out anything, but like just reaching and, and wanting some kind of connection with someone that had gay, you know, just anything gay to hear people talk about it, to read about it, to see it on some type of television show or some movie. I remember aching for that and wanting to see it. Yeah. And, uh, so today we wanted to talk about, uh, praying the gay way and, uh, Kind of, uh, it seems like we have, well, not only our stories, but it seems like as we go out and meet new people, it seems like every other person or every third person has some kind of run in with, <laughs> run in with religion or the going to church or something uh, like that, including our partners, um, a little bit and uh, ourselves and many of our friends. I don't know if it's the kind of people we attract or, <laughs> or what, but we, um, we have found uh, religion to be something we had to deal with as part of our journey. And so I guess I want to start by saying, I know this is sometimes hard for some people, so uh, hopefully you'll hang with us and listen to it and hopefully it'll uh, um, help a little bit. If not, it'll just let you know that there's plenty of other people out there with, with a similar story. And so I guess the best place to do is to give you guys a little bit of our background and kind of where we come from. And then we will talk a little bit about um, how we thought, how we felt, and then kind of how we um, moved on or, or did move on. I don't know. And then how we kind of feel today. Yeah. And it is it is a common theme. It feels like within the gay community, a lot of people have the similar background, like there's some type of religion that, you know, they were raised in or something in it seems to be where a lot of the guilt comes from and what we struggle with. And even to this day, I mean, I've been out since I was, you know, for what is it now? 16 years I've been out. And there are times that I still feel this little pang of guilt or it's like, you know, you feel this, you remember something that was said when you were little or what you were raised to talk or what you were taught when you were being raised and it hits you in the gut or like you'll feel it, that little twing of guilt. And it's just the craziest thing that it can do it. And you know, the, you know, a lot of people say, you know, they look at religion, they look at the different religions and they're very cult-like, you know, it's like a brainwashing type thing. And it's, it was crazy for me growing up. Like I remember from a very, very young age being different. And that was the only kind of label that I could put on it. It was like, I'm different. I knew I didn't, wasn't attracted to the same things as far as like even extracurricular activities, like playing sports or like my brother who is king of the rednecks back where I come from, he was very, very big on um, hunting and fishing. And I had wanted nothing to do with that. That was, that was not in my wheelhouse whatsoever. So I remember him always making fun of me. He would always say, you got honey in your britches. And that was the way of saying you're sweet. Like you're, you're just gay. Like, you know, you know, it was just the way he would do it. And I remember my mom getting on to him and he's like, you know, I'm just joking, but it was always a common theme. And even, you know, in school, you know, um, you don't want to play a certain game or you don't want to play with certain things or you do want to play with certain things like 
um, Susie brings her Barbie dolls, you know, yeah. to the playground on yeah. Monday and you want to play with them and the teacher makes fun of you. So, and I think for me, a lot of the guilt came, you know, through religion. Like I remember, like I said, being different and then growing up and like, you know, hearing the preacher and I came from hellfire and brimstone preaching, you know, it was very independent, fundamental missionary Baptist and very, very, very strict, very, very conservative, very black and white. Yes. And it was, and that's how it was. Like it was the only time there was a gray area is if like the pastor's wife slept with the treasurer and then, you know, you had, we had to forgive her and you get forgiveness <laughs> and then everyone is okay. Exactly. So, but there are certain things that they just cannot seem to forgive. And I remember as I got older and you start, you know, discovering your sexuality and you start discovering things like these are the things I like to watch or you're watching a movie and all of a sudden there's a gay character on there. Or another guy kisses another guy and you get that feeling, you know, it's like, it's almost like an electric charge. Like, Oh my God, like that feels, that's what I've been looking for. That's what I've been wanting to see. And, and you start realizing, Oh my God, this is what it is. Like, and you, for me, I can remember feeling it, but still not being able to put a label on it. But then when I was at church and hearing them talk about sodomites and homosexuals and faggots, and that was the thing, they would use the F word, you know, behind the pulpit. And it was the scariest thing for me because I knew, I knew that no one could know. And I knew that everything in my life would change if anybody figured it out or if they, you know, figured me out. Yeah. And I would fight against it so hard. Like I remember, you know, when... I would go to church and, you know, we'd go to the altar to pray. I was in one of those churches. It was very much like a shouting church. People would run the aisles and, and, you know, I'd go to the altar and I'd pray and I'd pray for like 15 minutes, you know, 15, 20 minutes, just me by myself, just God, please take this away. Cause I'm, I'm starting to realize what it is. Please just take it away, take it away. And still, you know, leaving feeling guilty. And it was always guilt and always this fear because it was taught, you know, like the gay lifestyle, there's no happiness there. It's basically just carnal. It's sin. You go out, you're going to have sex. You're going to do drugs. You're going to spiral out of control, and you're not going to have any happiness or love in your life, and you're not going to have a family because everybody will leave you. So it was like I didn't want anything to do with that life, but I knew that I was that life. Like I knew I was I knew I was gay. Yeah, did you? So uh, just to back up a tiny bit, so your family, you started going to church since you were a little kid. As far as my you, earliest memories are in church. Church, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you spent a lot of time. You weren't just like the every other Sunday or Sunday crew. You were like Sunday, Wednesday oh. night, all that. Twice other. on Twice. Sunday, then on Wednesday night, and then we'd have choir practice, and then you'd have Sunday school. So it's like you were at church from 9 a.m. to at least 1 or 1.30. You'd basically go out to eat, and you'd come back at 4.30 for choir practice. Yeah. And then you had service at night, and then you had Bible school, which was a week long, or you'd have revival. That's what that was a week long, and then you know, I sang like in the youth choir, and I had a, I sang in a gospel group. We would get invited to go to you know sing at other churches and everything. You know, we traveled all over the country singing, so it was like I was always in church, especially as a teenager, like always. Yeah, and so you kind of grew up. So you were going to church before you really probably connected the dots even that you were gay. Oh, yeah. I mean, my dad was a deacon, you know, and I can remember as a kid, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but we had peer, uh, prayer benches 
that were down at the front of the church, you know, right down in front of the pulpit. And it's basically just like a wood bench. And that's where you would go and you would kneel to pray. And they would stand me up on those to sing. You know, I can remember singing, you know, from a little kid, just very, very little. And always having that in my life. And it was always there. But it was like I was living this double life because I knew I had this other side of me that I could not share with anyone. Like I couldn't tell anybody. Yeah. And that's a scary thing. And you were and and you and your your story, which is a little bit different than mine, which I'll say in just a second, but yours is a little different because your family went to church with you and you grew up with it. And so it was the pressure of not only like telling people in the church and what that would mean to your involvement or if they would even talk to you or what they if you'd be allowed to even go or um, what your identity would be without them. And that was also tied into directly into like your family's thoughts and oh, yeah. feelings and what that would be. Yeah. So mine's, mine's slightly different in the fact that I, my family isn't religious, n- no one. And I started going to a youth group, probably, I don't know, sophomore, junior year of high school with some friends. And it was really cool because you got to meet other people from other schools and it was kind of a small group. So it wasn't like you got to know everybody. And then we came and played a game. We listened to the guy talk for a minute and then we all went to ice cream afterwards. So I was like, Oh, this is awesome. Good social. But I never did like the, I never really did like the church on Sunday thing or, um, anything. And then after doing that for a couple of years, I went to like a camp and it kind of all made, made sense in my mind at the time that that God was real and that Jesus was a thing and that um, it's something I wanted to pursue and do more and um, welcome Jesus into my heart. And so that set a path forward where it led to Bible schools and working for churches and all kinds of stuff to where I had leadership positions and all these, everything I did, like, but that wasn't growing up. I was always considered a leader. Like I was always like the captain of a sports team. I was always uh, run for student council or student body stuff. I always won everything. I emceed assemblies. I DJ dances. I was, I did everything. And so when I became more religious, I was obviously still the same person. And so I was kind of put into roles uh, like leadership roles. And then I kind of got that same feeling like, well, I can't say anything now because yeah. this is all going to disappear or I don't know what's going to, you know, they're just going to be like, Oh, thanks for coming. You know, well, you build this life, Like you build this, this group of friends, you build like this foundation of things and you feel like, or at least for me, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but for me, I knew that if I were to say anything that that would all that rug would be just ripped right out from under me. Yeah. And I don't it, know who I would I be by, by myself. Is is it going to get out into the whole County? Is everybody going to know about it? You know, how big would this spread and what are the consequences for me? And it's really sad because I mean, I was good at what I was doing and you were good at what you were doing, but we had this secret that if someone just knew our sin or whatever, then it would just be over. Right. Like you'd be like, thanks for coming. Everything you invested your time in yeah. is over. They'd have that power over you. And that was scary too. If somebody, like if I did do anything or if I, you know, were to like stare too long at someone or see something, you know, it's like you would always have that fear of like, oh my God, they know, or like they're going to say something or 
because I, I mean, I was similar to you, like, you know, with you were saying that like you figured yours out in your teens on, you know, my biggest part of church was in my teens, but I also went to a Christian school too, which, so I didn't get a break from it. It was like 24 seven. I went to Christian school all during the week and then, you know, church when you were weekends. in like high school and yeah. elementary and stuff. Yeah. Well, I went, I started eighth grade was when I started in private school in Christian school. And the first one I went to was very, very much like the church I went to very Baptist, very girls can't, you know, six inch rule. You can't be six inches yeah. from the opposite sex or within six inches of the opposite sex, which looking back on it now, that's not an issue for me. I was actually fine with that role, but it was just, you know, the whole, everything was just so pushed into your mind and like, it was just the fear of it all, the fear and the guilt of everything that they always told me. I was always scared. And it did provide that perfect cover of like, oh, I don't have to like have sex with a girl or I don't have to make out or I'm saving myself I'm, for I'm marriage. Sa- yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, I'm not, I'm just focused on, I'm just focused on God right now. Like I'm going to be a good Christian. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to be distracted from my calling or whatever. Right. So it was very easy to like put off, like not dating a woman or, yeah. or a girl. So it was very interesting. Did you, um, but you know what it also did? It also gave me, because I can remember seventh grade was the last year that I was in public school and I got teased, like, you know, because obviously my voice was not deep enough or like I was, you know, walked a certain way or like there was any type of femininity, especially in the South, you know, growing up in Georgia, they would just attack it. It was like a dog with a bone. They would never let it go. So I remember it was almost like a, a safe haven going to church because they couldn't make fun of you. You know what I mean? It was like you're supposed to lift each other up. So there was that there was that double-edged sword with it. Like yeah. they're telling me that what I'm doing is wrong and like what I know deep down that I am is wrong and I'm going to hell for. But I could still kind of open up and be myself. Like especially like you said if you can do something like if you can sing or if you can play the piano or a musical instrument, you know, they lift you up very high in church and like they figure that talent you're using it for the Lord. And if you'll look at a lot of churches, I know this was very common in Georgia. I'm not trying to stereotype all these people, but a lot of the music leaders in churches were always gay. They were always the single male in their 30s or 40s, never married. Oh, they're just a bachelor. They haven't found the right person yet. And, you know, they're twinkle-toeing across the stage to go get the hymn book to find the next (laughs) song that everybody's going to sing. So it was like it was so obvious but the church, when they look at things like that, they feel like they have a talent and they're helping, so we're going to overlook it. Yeah, you know, we can kind of we can overlook that because they have such a talent and they can do something. So it was that that like almost a confusion type thing. You know, it was very weird that they could overlook some people but not others. Did you think that your church or your denomination um, was the only one like that? Like, did you consider going? like leaving that denomination or something because maybe they would be more forgiving. I don't, especially back then in Georgia. I mean, there was basically like, you know, three or four religions I knew of Baptist, like I was, then there was Southern Baptist, which we were more conservative than them. And then there was Methodist and there was Pentecostal. 
none of them wanted any gay people in the church. Yeah. And I will say that the climate now in 2021 right. is much different than what it was. Like we're talking, both of our stories were talking 20 years ago or 15 years ago or something. I wish it was just 20 years ago. <laughs> 25, 30 years ago. Sure, tw- go with 20 years ago. But, uh, but so, yeah, so I would say that the religious climate now is slightly different. Well, you can definitely find more all-inclusive churches. Like, you know, they... I don't want to say they cater to gay people, but they they make it known that you're welcome here, that you're not going to be judged for coming in. You know, you're exactly the way God made you. And it's it is comforting to know that it's out there and like you have access to it. But I think for me, I was so burnt with the church and like so, I mean, just hurt by it and and almost like demonized like I don't want to say like they came after me with pitchforks and things like that, but you know, you hear the rumors like, Oh, he's just, he's got a demon in him. And it's like, I don't need to be exercised. I yeah. mean, I'm just, you know, I'm well, just, you could exercise, but well, there's difference, <laughs> <laughs> but I just want to be like, you, you know, it was just, it was such a, such a hard thing to be able to, to be able to understand. And, and then, you know, and then as I got older, you know, you always want to do everything you can to be a, a good Christian. You know, they always tell you that be a good Christian. The more you do on earth, the more crowns, you're, the more jewels you're going to have in your crown in heaven when you get there and the bigger your mansion will be. And, and so you wanted to do all those things. So it was like, I can remember, you know, being 18 and from an early age, them saying, pray for who your wife is going to be or pray for who your husband's going to be now. And if they're, if you want to, if they want to go on a date with you and they're not worthy or they are not good enough to be your husband or wife, don't go out on a date with them. So you're basically your entire life just looking for that person you're going to marry that God sent your way. Yeah. And I thought, you know, well, then that's what I got to do. Yeah. <laughs> just get married. And, you know, that then that's what a good Christian does. And he'll take away that temptation. So in that prime time of church, were you hooking up with guys or girls or anybody? Or were you like being a good Christian or? Well, it was to the point of even masturbation was you know, you shouldn't do that. You're defiling the temple of God. So I was already right out the boat with that. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm already sinning daily, sometimes multiple times a day with that. Yeah. But then it was, I was 16 or 17 and I had my first interaction with an, with another guy. And it was funny because it was actually the brother of a girl I was dating, which is kind of okay. bad. Um, but we started messing around we messed around like three or four times and you know it was very the guilt was bad because you know i knew this person through church i knew the church that they went to i knew his parents he knew my parents and it was it's like um, and it was that letting go this person had some power over me now and you try to justify it with but i know the same thing about them but it's really kind of whoever tells the story first that's who everybody's going to believe yeah so i always had that fear he's going to tell it but i was like I'm not going to be the first one to tell it. And it was just always that fear. And so, yeah, I was probably 16 or 17 when I first did anything and knew that I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, I would, I would like go onto a website or Craigslist or gay.com or manhunt or whatever. Name them all. (laughs) I don't know. Some of the old old, originals, the OGs. (laughs) Gay.com. And I would uh, hook up with someone and then, probably feel guilty about it for like six months or something oh, yeah. and then i would be like horny enough or want to do it again and i would like search for somebody for weeks or whatever and then i'd hook up with them and then i would feel guilty for six months and then i wouldn't do anything and 
So it was kind of like a, a big, a big circle, you know, did you ever try to tell anybody that was in the church? Not anybody that was in the church. Um, because like the guilt was too much. I mean, I can even remember things that my sister said, you know, she's the oldest in our family. And then there's a brother, um, you know, I can remember as a child asking, you know, like little side questions just to kind of get the feel, the ground to, to feel how things are going to play out. And, um, I remember asking, I was like, my God, what if Scott talking about our brother, I was like, what if we found out he was gay? And she was like, I would never let him around my son. He would never see him ever again. I was like, Oh shit. No, I can't tell her, yeah. you know, because actually she was one of the closest people that I was, that I was close to growing up. You know, she was 14 years older than me. So she kind of basically raised me. So I was like, one of the people I trust most in my life, I can't tell them. So I couldn't tell anybody else. And I could never put that label on it. It was never going to be, I'm gay. Yeah. It would be if anything. Tempted. Or yeah, like I have um thoughts yeah i've done stuff with a guy or like i think about guys sometimes i would never have used that term gay yeah. it was just no 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 not gonna happen yeah I've, i did a couple times try to like say something to like a friend or two that were in the you know in a part of a church and you know in mm-hmm. my circle or whatever and it seems like they weren't comfortable with going down that road really like okay let's just pray about it and move on and they never followed up with it never really asked any questions about it never and it was such i remember being like oh my gosh this is like a little weight lifted off that i'm like sharing this and then it was like they didn't they shut you down they shut you down because they didn't want to like go there they didn't want to have to make a decision they didn't want i don't know what they were uncomfortable with it whatever all kinds of different like reasons why and it's completely that way they don't want to bring it to the lot of day because then it's real, and then it's something that every time you see them, they're going to think about it. But if they don't get the valid, you know, the the actual words coming out of your mouth saying it, they can always be like, oh, it's just a temptation. Because I know for me, I'm not sure if it was like this in your church, but homosexuality was compared to like a sin that other people have. So alcoholics, their temptation is um, alcohol. Drug addicts, their temptation is drugs. Yeah. So homosexuals, like our temptation is penis i don't know it's just (laughs) you know that's how it gets us so but if you were to talk to somebody about being homosexual versus i you know having a drinking problem i feel like it was completely different oh completely even though it was quote unquote the same or your temptation you know it was just different yeah it was definitely much more frowned upon or like much more taboo and in and I mean, we had people that would come to church and you knew they were alcoholics. Everybody knew the story, you know, small town, everybody knows everybody's story. But if there was a person, like if I had come out as gay, if there was another person that was gay and had, and everybody knew about it, you would feel so uncomfortable being around them. Like you, you know, if they were, you're in the middle of a service and like, you know, people start shouting, people would start staring at you to go see if you were going to the altar, you know, like to go pray to God and, you know, to take it away. So the comfort level with that is just is impossible. Yeah. Did you ever do anything? What were you trying to, did you want to like, what was your coping? Did you want to like be straight or did you like just wanted to leave it all together or I did not want to be gay at all. And I remember that was, I specifically would pray to God, please take this away from me. Just please take it away. I'll do whatever I need to do. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just please take it away. Cause I wanted to be normal because you know quote unquote normal because that's what they 
they would preach that this is not normal. It's not a normal lifestyle. It's very, it's a deviant. I guess we have Dang, some motorcycles outside the house. Room. So it was very, you know, you're a deviant and, you know, you, you were just, there was no coming back from it at that point, really. Yeah. I remember basically, you know, asking all the time, like, okay, God, tomorrow when I wake up, like, I, well, I, I want to be straight, yeah. please, whatever it takes. Like, I just want to wake up and be straight. Like, yeah. and it never happened. <laughs> yeah. It just, and that's the thing. It's, it, it just doesn't. And I mean, even me, like I got married at 20 years old. I had a child, you know, to a woman. Yeah. To a woman biological woman and that was that was you're trying to do the right thing i'm going to be a good christian you know i'm going to do exactly what you're supposed to do and then we'll be able to move on and and then this will be something in the past that you can just you know thank god about later and it'll be part of your testimony you know these these are things you'll be able to share later in your life when you've overcome it yeah because i can't talk about it while i'm going through it i can talk about it when i've overcome it so and it was you know i felt really bad for her because i was miserable completely miserable and it wasn't that she was a bad person or like you know in another lifetime i think we probably could have been best friends because she was funny and you know she liked to do a lot of the same things that i like to do but the struggle of you know having to deal with that thought of like i'm gonna have to have sex with her and i don't want to so then i kind of justified in my mind i was like i'm 20 years old 21 years old 22 years old you've Something's got to be wrong. So I just kind of, you know, relaxed to the fact, gave into it, thinking I'm just not a sexual person. And I remember telling her that. I was like, I just, I'm not a sexual person. Not knowing in my mind that I'm just not sexual with you yeah. is not what I want to do. Yeah. So, and you know, it was, it was bad. And we were married for seven years, you know, before we just finally, it's like, we, this, we can't do this anymore. Yeah. And then when I finally came out, Oh my God. It was like the biggest weight. It was like I had been to use a religious term, like I'd been reborn, you know, like I had shed off this whole old life that I had carried around for so long, you know, trying to keep the wrist uh, straight and not get limp and, (laughs) and watch the bass in my voice and watch how you walk and watch, don't wear anything that could be considered too gay or it was like, I didn't care anymore. And it was like a light switch with me. I had done it for so long and I was like, if I'm doing this, I'm doing it. And when yeah. I came out, I didn't care anymore. I just didn't care. And what was your first like step to move out of it? I when I like I said, I was probably, I was 27, and I was aching. And it was I know you had mentioned earlier, it's like you would hook up with somebody because you were super horny, and it was like I feel like for me, obviously, it was that too. But it was that that desire in me to just be around gay things. I didn't know what they were per se, but I even remember being married. And do you remember the show Queer as Folk? Yeah. Did you ever? Okay. No, I didn't really watch it too much. So when I worked, I worked at a factory. This is so many moons ago. And I would work 12-hour shifts, and then we'd work night shift, and we work day shift. We switched like every three months. So my ex-wife, she worked during the day, and I'd get home. I'd be by myself. I mean, we're going to Blockbuster. This is when you could go to Blockbuster and you could get your pick out movies that you wanted. And they had Queer as Folk. And I would rent one D, one DVD at a time. And I would watch the episodes I could. And it was just, I was scared. I was excited. And it was just, for me, it's that 
being around something gay and seeing gay. And that was almost a huge part of the release for me. Obviously sex is good and doing those types of things is good, but it was having that release of being around gay and seeing gay lifestyles and how they navigate those and what they do. And yes, there are drugs in the gay lifestyle just as much as there are drugs in the straight lifestyle. And there are, there are people who cheat in the gay lifestyle, just like there are in the straight lifestyle. There are swingers in both communities. There's polyamorous and everything. So it's not just narrowed down to one group. Gay people are just drug addicts and homes and, you know, homosexuals that don't have love and they just have sex and they don't, you know, care about anything or anybody else. So for me, that was part of the release was being around gay people or hooking up or watching gay things was seeing all of that. Yeah. And so was the divorce then first or leaving or like stopped going to church? No, when I decided it was pretty much, I knew when I did it, like I knew when I came out, I had to leave the town I was in. Cause like our church was the biggest church in our town. They played our, um, all of our services on the radio you know, I was saying everywhere, it was like, I, I have to get out of here because yeah. it's going to, it's going to spread like wildfire. I mean, the rumors were already kind of there because like I said, I'm not the most masculine man or like, I'm not super redneck what it is to be back in the town that I was from. So the rumors were always there, but once the confirmation came through, it just, everybody knew. Yeah. So when I told my ex-wife, I told her and I told my sister and my sister was like, well, I'll always love you, but I want nothing to do with that part of your life. So I was like, well, that's who I am. Yeah. So you want so nothing to do with choice. me. Yeah. So I moved. Um, and what was funny was I had started visiting this um, gay bar that was like a county over. I still didn't venture into Atlanta because I was too scared. That was too gay. <laughs> but there was this one gay bar in a strip mall, and they would have drag shows. And I had met this guy there, and he just made me feel attractive and wanted and desired and we um kind of started messing around and that was you know about the time that i said i got to do this so when i told my ex-wife and i told my sister i moved i took nothing with me i filled up the car with my clothes and i left i ended up renting a room from someone that was a friend of the guy that i met that ended up being my first um relationship with a man 12 years older than me, never do that again. He was like 12 years younger than me, really, mentally. But, um, you know, it was still, it was just getting out and navigating that whole, like, oh, my God, I'm gay now. Like, who do I tell? What do I tell? How many yeah. people can I tell? Do I yeah. tell? You know, that whole thing. It was like a whole new world. Yeah. Jasmine. <laughs> <laughs> I can show. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's pretty, that's, that's very interesting. I think, like, for me growing up, I was always, like, I had to really like ask myself because I tried so hard, which some of the same things you did. I tried so hard to be masculine Mm -hmm. and, you know, from the clothes I wear to the way I walked to the, um, way I hand gestures to what things I was into to all kinds of things that I was never really into. Like, you know, putting a towel on your head and pretending you're a woman or you never did that going to get, clothes out of your mom's closet or whatever. I never, I never did any of that. And so I really like fast forward later in life, I kind of had to do like, well, am I not into those things? Because I thought people would think I'm faggy or gay or whatever, 
or am I just really not that into it? And I've kind of come somewhere in the middle that I really am not that into it. As you know, from some of my non-interests, like drag race and You're not a drag, <laughs> you're not a drag race fan. <laughs> it's weird like that. Um, and so, yeah. So I think like I had to come to that conclusion. Um, and for me, it, it kind of came, I tried to talk to people about it and I tried, you know, kind of tiptoe into the water of seeing, but I knew that my leadership jobs and positions and stuff would be over for sure. If, and then it would be too awkward to stay there in that church or anywhere anyways. So, cause they know. Yeah. Yeah. So I basically was in St. Louis at the time and just said, I'm really good at what I'm doing and I'm getting paid for it. And you know, I'm moving up the ladder very successfully for a guy in his twenties, but this isn't me and I can't do this anymore. I've really tried to wake up hoping God would change me every day. And I was trying to be good. I was trying to give back to people. I was trying to do all these things, you know, but it just wasn't, it wasn't working and I can't take this anymore. I can't take like being one person, you know, why I'm on church grounds and then you know, going and hooking up with other people and feeling so guilty about it. And then you're not even really, I mean, hookups are hookups, but if all you're doing is hookups, it's not really that healthy. Yeah. There's nothing there. (laughs) It's nothing there. And so just the release and you're just making it worse. You're making it worse for yourself because now that's your relationships with guys is just like a quick hookup 20 minutes. Thanks bro for coming over and Oh yeah. Maybe see you later. You know, well, I have to tell you the story because it was super, looking back on it now, it was super funny. Back then, I was terrified and I uh, just couldn't believe it. So, obviously, I did when I was married, especially young. Um, I would do things, go out and venture into the world. And there was, uh, there near where we lived, there was a truck stop. And you could do things in the restroom um, through what they call a glory hole. I'm not sure if you're familiar <laughs> with those you're or not. But a hole in the wall. <laughs> I remember being there and there was this guy and he was older, you know, and that's kind of when you go to a glory hole or even a bathhouse or anything, you know, pickings are slim. Sometimes they don't always get what you exactly want, but he was older. I would say back then I was, I was probably 21, 22 and he had to be about in his early forties. I would say, you know, some gray in his hair, but, and I remember him motioning me outside. Go ahead. He was going to ask. Oh, I was going to say you saw all that through the hole. Oh, but you had a pre-meeting. Oh, no. He motioned me outside. Gotcha. And I was like, okay, I'm going to see where this goes. And he was like, do you want to go for a ride? And then, I'll, you know, that whole, am I going to get chopped up into pieces? You know, I've seen about Jeffrey Dahmer. This was before I started doing this. But I kind of, I was like, you know what? I I did. And we kind of drove off and we did some stuff, you know, a little Jackie Jackie, you know, just, you know maybe a little sucky sucky stuff like that but we had like a little bit of a conversation he was super nice and i was like i'm never going to see this person again so okay fast forward like a month and this was the time where i was still part of the youth choir i was the youth choir director but i sang in it so like um you know put together all the music and you know held all the practices and 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 did all that so me and my wife um get on the youth group church bus because we're going to sing at this little bitty church out in the middle of nowhere. And we're going out there and the whole youth choir is on there. Walk in and they're like, "Go, y'all go ahead and sit in the choir loft. We want y'all to sit there because y'all sing, you know, for most of the night. So we go up there and I'm sitting there and then all of a sudden the music minister comes up, the guy who does all the music steps up and it's him. 
it is the guy from the rest stop <laughs> he went near for a ride my with. house that I went for a ride with and did stuff with. And he looked at me and I looked at him and I think I shit my stomach right there in that car loft. It was the craziest, scariest thing. But then I knew, I was like, he what's he going to say? <laughs> Come for me. I, he, he hadn't even told me he was married and had like three kids. At this point, I was married, had no kids. I was like, this bitch has got more to lose than me. <laughs> it was the scariest thing. And it was like we did our thing. We sang and everything. And you could tell that he was trying to like avoid me, but show that like in my mind now, looking back on it, it was like he was trying to show me I'm big in this church. And he was. He could play the piano, could play the piano great, you know, saying and stuff like that. But he locking eyes with the person you've hooked up with at a rest stop <laughs> in church with your wife there and his wife there is pretty scary shit. Wow. Yeah, I tried not to mix the two, but... Well, I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want oh, to. gosh. And it was it's, it's things like that that were the biggest fear. And then... Finally coming out because I, you know, it was going back to what you said earlier. I remember, you know, even when I came out, I was like, there's certain things I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be that gay that's like, hey, girl, or hey, lady, or hey, girl, hey. I was like, I'm not going to be that person. I'm just not. That's not who I am. I'm just a gay guy. I like men. And then I met my best friend from Atlanta, and we both met playing rugby. And this is a six foot four, 300 pound bald guy. And he's from South Georgia and he opens his mouth and a big old purse falls out and we were best friends. <laughs> and what was funny was he was very good athletically. He could play softball. He grew up playing football. We played rugby together. So we had all these things that are quote unquote masculine that you can do. And like, you know, he, the things that we can do and are considered masculine. He likes watching sports and things like that. But then it was it was good for me and healthy for me to see this person who was quote unquote a masculine gay, but then could turn around and throw on a wig and and say hey girl hey and we could laugh and cut up together. So it was it was definitely much in the beginning finding your place in the gay world like you were saying like you're not a drag race fan I am I don't want to do drag I just like watching it you yeah. don't even like watching it you know there's different you have to figure out who you are. And especially with all that guilt growing up from religion, it's realizing that there's so much more out there for you and there's so much love that is there. I mean, you know, RuPaul says that you don't know because you don't watch it, but we as gay people, we get to choose our family. And that's one of the great things about us is because I obviously don't talk to my family at all. Both of my parents have passed. I just have a brother and sister. They want nothing to do with me because I'm gay. But I have chosen family. And I always know I have that support system. So they say it's bad and they give you guilt about it and you're going to hell. And then when you actually take that leap of faith and you step out and you do what you need to do and, you know, to make yourself happy, you realize that there is a whole world of love out there in the gay world. And you, you kind of left and haven't looked back. You haven't cared to go back or. No, I'd left, um, like I said, um, town I grew up in and moved into Atlanta and I never moved back. Obviously, I would go back for my daughter. You know, I'd go get her and spend time with her. But I never moved back. Uh, you well, know. I mean more about like church. You know, oh no, no church. No, no. I, there because are you definitely like we said earlier. It definitely feels like it's changed. Like there, especially here, like in Portland. I don't know how much in the South, but in certain <laughs> bigger cities, you do drive by a church and you 
sometimes do see rainbow flags, rainbow flag out there, or you go every pride parade you've probably ever been to. There's a church that is marching in it. Yeah. And that I know that they're out there and I did go to one, um, my friend, his husband at the time, he, um, went to a church and he was raised very similar to me because, you know, Georgia, um, top Baptist. And he's like, I really enjoy this church. And I went and this, and this again is where it's kind of the crazy thing. If I were to go back, I'd want to go to a church that was like my church when I was growing up, the same kind of music, the same kind of setup, the way we did things, because I still to this day listen to the music that I sang back then and that I loved back then. I've got it, you know, on my playlist and I'll put it in and I'll play and I'll sing at the top of my lungs to it. And I loved it. And, and even still, at a gay karaoke, even gay karaoke yes, at I've a gay it. bar, you yes. will sing these songs. Give me some casting crowns. I will kill that <laughs> shit. I love that stuff. And it, it still brings back that same emotion that I had back then. And I think as an adult looking back on it, I realized a lot of the stuff that we did back then, the shouting, the things like that, if it, it was all emotion, you know, you could, you could trigger somebody real quick to want to, you know, shout, you say the right thing, you play the right song if it talks about the right subject matter. And I'll still get goosebumps, you know, I'll still feel it because I can remember how it felt back then. Like if you're singing a song and all of a sudden somebody stands up and starts shouting, you know, it gives you a feeling. Yeah. Like, oh my God, you know, you're doing something to make somebody happy. So, no, I couldn't, I feel like it would be difficult me to for me to go back to a church that was not set up or did the same way that the church was that I grew up in. Yeah. I think that for me, people have said, well, you had such leadership. You love doing, you love doing it. You were good at it. Like, why don't you just move to a church that's more like gay friendly or gay welcoming? And one, some of those churches are, they don't, they welcome you, but you're not necessarily like able to be like in leadership positions within the church. So then I don't really see that I have a problem with, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. it's okay to come. But if we, if we want you to pass out programs at the, you know, and welcome people, no, yeah. thank you. Let alone, you know, sing or preach or right. lead a small group or anything. I do want to say though, that like I met some great, I, I don't know, looking back on it, I feel like I met great people, you oh, know? Course, and I think yeah. that if we all didn't, if we were all slightly more real and authentic, I think, it might have been a little bit better, um, but I do look at churches and I do appreciate the fact they provide uh, such a big group of community that's kind of built in, um, and I do appreciate them for that. I personally tell people that like I did the church and all that stuff, and I really tried hard, you know, for so many years, um, and it didn't work. It didn't work. And so for me, I need to do, I've needed to do a different lifestyle to be who I am and be not a, don't apologize for who I am and live that lifestyle and see now will church and my lifestyle now or who I am now ever intersect again. I'm not sure. Mm -mm. And I, I will agree with you on part of it. Like, I think there are some churches out there that do great things to help the community and like they build people up and they help people. But like, if I have to look back on the way I was raised and the, the God that was presented to me, 
and the way they treat like I just I felt looking back on it it was very cult like like you had to do these things to get to heaven you had to be a certain way you had to talk a certain way you had to say the certain things you had to go out and win others to Christ and you'd have to go up to them in the middle of a restaurant if God compelled you to do it and and it was very it was very cult like it was just the way everything yeah. was regimented and the way you had to do stuff and men boys couldn't swim in the same swimming pool with girls you can't mix bathe and and you can't touch and you can't you know have sex before marriage and all these things to repress you and to push you down and to make you feel bad there are some churches out there there that are good <laughs> like you know i think we you know there are some that i have not been to that are accepting but like i look for me and i think that's part of that's not a good thing. It's like, I look at every religion as how I was raised and I'm, but I know there's some good ones out there. Yeah. And I think for me, people have said, well, do you still like believe in God? Um, and I say, I, I'm, I'm, yes, I think I do. And I, without sounding too preachy or going back too far, I, you know, Jesus in the new Testament went and talked about all these rules and laws and all this different stuff. And then people, somebody said, uh, and he talked for hours and days and whatever. And someone said, uh, excuse me, sir, uh, all that, that's, that's great. But, uh, can you summarize that please? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, can we get the dumb, dumbed down edition? And he said, you know, love God and love others. And for me, I said, I can do that. I don't fully understand how my sexuality or my attraction, I don't feel that it's something that I just chose or that just came out of my circumstances, I feel like I was born, I was born gay yeah. and I don't know how to reconcile that. Um, I know that there's some things in the Bible you can kind of explain as like time period pieces and whatever. And I, I personally don't see like in the scriptures, like how homosexuality is okay in the Bible. Um, how it's okay or like how, how it's, it's not okay. Not okay. Yeah. Okay. How it's not okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't see that. I don't see anywhere that it's, it says that it's fine. Um, well, it's just it, so hard to, to reconcile that if you know where they talk about men shouldn't lay with men as they do with women, but they skip over the parts that condemn all these other things that they do. You can't eat hooved animals. I know how many, how much bacon do we eat in this country? Yeah, you know, yeah. there's just so many things that we try to, we cherry pick as, as Christians like to do of things in the Bible that they want. And it's just to justify what they need and want in the time. And, you know, and you look a lot of that, it's like that a lot in a lot of lives. You look at Republicans, you know, they love to cherry pick and, and look at the things that they want and they, they pick the rules that justify what they need in the moment. So for me, yeah, I just, I can't, I can't see myself going back to it. Like there's no part of me that wants to go back to it. Um, for me, like, do I believe in God? I believe, I don't believe in the God that I was raised to believe in. Uh, I think that's probably the best way I can put it. Do I think that there's something bigger out there than us? Yes. Can I put a name on it or a definition on it? No. I just know that what I was raised to believe, I don't believe anymore. And what, uh, kind of to start to put a bow on it, what would you say to someone that was, you when you were 22 or whatever well you know it's funny i was talking to my daughter um the other day and there is um when i was going to church he was probably 10 or 11 years old and you 
especially now being out, you see those kids and you're like, that's a future gayling, you know, a little queerling that's going to be out there. And it's sad to see it because I know like his parents were great people, but they're not going to be accepting of it. And even as an adult, he's an adult now. I think he's probably 30. And I still try to keep tabs on him a little bit just because I, I don't want anything bad to happen to him. I feel bad. I remember being that, but I think he realizes like he ended up buying a house super close to his mom and dad. He has never married. He doesn't date. And I think this, if I were to look back at somebody now and be like, I know where you're at, what you're struggling with. Just don't make any big life decisions without really thinking about it. And it's not that I regret marrying my ex-wife because my daughter came from it, which is, you know, one of the best things ever. It's just you want to make you don't want to make decisions that are going to affect you or hurt other people down the road. You know, I wish I could take back the fact that I hurt her, you know, married her. You know, we said vows we're going to be together forever. But I wasn't honest with myself at the time. And before you make those type of decisions, really do it and go out and and live in the world. You're in this tiny bubble in this small town and all you have is your church around you and the same people telling you everything. There's so many different viewpoints in the world. Even if you just go visit another state, you know, that's not Southern or that you're not surrounded with what you're used to being with and see how other people live. And it really opens your eyes to the world. Yeah. And for me, I, I, you know, I would definitely say like one, I'm sorry, this is hard to hear, but you're not going to wake up straight tomorrow. And the more you keep holding on to that and hoping it's not going to happen. Um, and it sucks. It's a realization that took me years and years to come to. So I would say, you know, develop a plan you know, prepare that maybe that people aren't going to take it well. People may take it well and that's awesome. And I think a lot of times we tend to make it worse in our head, but there definitely are plenty of people out there that it wasn't good for them coming out. And so make sure that you have, you know, some friends that you can stay with or, or, you know, have a good job so that you can support yourself and begin to, uh, maybe you need to, like you did, maybe move to another city and just kind of, you know, hit refresh and start yeah. over. Um, but don't be afraid to, once you kind of have a good foundation to talk about it and to, you know, move on. And us as um, older gays, I guess we need to make sure that we like pay it forward and look out for other people that have done that and feel free to try to support people and, and all that kind of stuff to to do that because, it's not, it's, it's not a good cycle that that's going to end well. Right. I don't know how it ends well. Um, and if you really, really love churches and you love going to church and stuff like that, there are a lot more options out there now than when, you know, when I was 25 or 20 or yeah. whatever. So, um, check them out, you know, visit them. You don't have to go there and say I'm gay or whatever, but just go and see the vibe yeah. and meet people and try to connect and then maybe switch over to something like that. But, and you know how they say, it's like you growing up, step out on faith, just take the faith, step out there knowing that you're going to have faith in the fact that you're going to find where you're supposed to be. You're going to find your security blanket. You're going to find your group that you feel safe with. It's out there waiting for you. 
you just got to step out on faith and do it. And you, you can't. May, yeah. And it's not going to, it may not happen overnight or whatever. It may right. take a year or maybe two, two years or three years or, um, but it, you know, not to be cheesy, but it, it gets, it gets better. Like right. you will find those people, you will find those people that you call family. And hopefully I, uh, you know, hopefully your family is okay with everything and that they support you in what you do. But sometimes like in your case, they don't, but you've made new family and yeah. And you're going to find the people that love you for exactly who you are. And it feels so good because you don't feel like you're hiding anything anymore. And it's very hard to connect with people when you always feel like you you're hiding a part of yourself. Like you, if you can't completely expose yourself and you can't completely be honest with them, you never really get that deep connection and it's hard. And I think that's for me, one of the things that's for with my family, like I had to repress that side of myself and hide it for so long that maybe I'm not as close to them anymore because I had to do that for so long. Like I felt like I had to lie to them and I had to hide. So when you do get your group and your people and your chosen family, it's just some of the best feeling and some of the best times of your life. So it is out there. Yeah. I know it's deep stuff, but like, it's just, for me, it's just, it's one of those things that if I've gone through it, I know that other people have gone through it or there's people that are still going through it. And, you know, I just want people to know that there is options and like there is a happiness in the gay community. Like I have found love. I have found somebody that treats me amazing and, you know, that I want to reciprocate for and I want to, to give that love back to them. So if you're listening and you're, you know, you're struggling with that, just know that there is a better side out there. Yeah. People will, that are out there that will love you for who you are and your freak flag or your non-freak flag or mm-hmm. just whoever you are, they will be with you. So we're going to head out of here, but before we do, we want to pay homage to the whore tax of the week, or we have another one that came in, and uh, sugar sugar has it. Yeah, this was an interesting one. I, I don't I don't I don't know if I'm going to say that I could relate to it, but maybe Nick, you can. So we'll see if we oh, can or not. Okay, okay. <laughs> all right. Is that shade? <laughs> <laughs> so this out. came from Sam. Um, Sam reached out via hey, email, and he let us know. He said, "I found out that my local bathhouse had opened up recently. Um, it had been Lucky a very you. long. Yeah, <laughs> not us." Um, it had been so long and I had thought, you know, why not? Let's go out there and do it. So I wanted to see what was happening. So what I did was, uh, went through my usual preparation. Um, he put in parentheses as I tend to bottom more than topping. Um, and then he headed out. Um, when he got there, he said, when I got there, I was pleasantly surprised to see that there were a good bit of cars in the parking lot. So I went in, I paid for my locker. I'm guessing you're a little cheap, Sam. You didn't want your room, so you got a locker. <laughs> or no, maybe he's just ex- <laughs> exhibitionist. Uh, he says, once no I got in, in the room. <laughs> once I got in, it was like a kid in a candy store, and I wanted to try every piece of candy in there. Mm. I was like, okay, Sam. Um, he said, I ended up leaving four hours later with five loads inside of me. Wow. He said, I guess I was making up for the past year, question mark, question mark. Only five, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> He's being conservative. Oh. Um, so means the real number is about 10. <laughs> <laughs> he said, so I am asking for forgiveness today with this whore tax. Oh, Sam, thanks first of all for the donation. And of course... You are forgiven. Oh, completely. Because I have no idea what's going to happen once those bathhouse doors open up again. After this year, you deserve every <laughs> drop of load that was in you. Everything. 
Well, follow us on social media, Insta, Facebook, at The Bear Takedown. I hope uh, you got something out of this episode, whether you were religious or not religious. Um, just the conversation of how to, you know, kind of talk about it or what, what, what it was like when someone says, oh, I used to go to church when I was younger. Comes with a whole lot of more other baggage yep. and stuff and thoughts and feelings. So let us know how you think. Let us know how you um, enjoyed the show. And we thank you all so much for listening to us. We hope you all have a great rest of your day. And uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah. See you later.